Welcome back to another episode of the Fun Size Podcast. One of these days, I am actually going to put a little voiceover that intro someday. Got a lot of other priorities going on right now. Let's dive right into this episode as usual. It seems like every time I get a new one-on-one client, we sit down together on that very first call to come up with her first meal plan together because that is part of the program. We do it together. And there is always that one food that she either thinks she doesn't like because she doesn't really know how to cook it or she knows she likes that food. She just hasn't found an easy way to cook it that she actually enjoys. And so I want to take this time to go over all of the common foods that come up on those calls and somewhere along the line of the 16-week program where they're trying to incorporate more variety and just have more fun with the foods that they're eating. So these foods that I'm about to talk about are pretty big staples of mine. I will admit that even though... I have the fun size recipe library with some super fun, very flavorful recipes. They are a little bit more labor intensive and the majority of the time, I personally like to keep it really quick and really simple. I love cooking, but I also don't want to spend my entire Sunday in the kitchen. But of course, whatever I cook actually needs to taste good because if I don't cook my food to my liking, then I'm just not going to want to eat it throughout the week. And then I just totally wasted time. So I'm going to share with you my favorite ways to cook the staples. And they're all really loose directions. Like the temperature and the time just depends on how much you're cooking and how well done you want them. And so that's why I feel like this platform is the place to share and not necessarily in a blog or the library because truthfully, it all just kind of depends And I'm just going to share with you what I like to do in such simplistic terms. So starting with a basic one, let's talk about chicken breasts. I am all about that grill, baby. I crank that heat up to about 400 degrees, give or take. Doesn't have to be exact. You could totally be at 350 or 450. It really doesn't matter. Then I trim my chicken so the little bloody bits and that weird kind of thing that like hangs off to the side that gross bit trim it all off because it makes me and then I also trim any other unnecessary fat that I don't want on there so that's all I do I don't butterfly them I don't cut them up I don't like make them real thin because when you keep it whole it actually like helps the chicken stay nice and juicy and tender in the inside so I leave them big and chunky Once the grill is at temp, I might actually get yelled at this one, but I literally just take some Pam cooking spray and spray the grill from a little bit of a distance. Be careful and do it from a distance because the flame will definitely shoot up at you. So kind of stand back and extend your arm all the way and spray the grill. I do this because I don't marinate the chicken in oil first and I need to make sure that it doesn't stick to the grill because the last thing I want to do is like leave chicken bits on my grill. But I do really love the Bernie grill lines on the chicken breast itself. So so don't marinate it necessarily always ever like 10% of the time I marinate it. Okay. Majority of the time I season it and I usually use um, 
shoot, what's the name? It's McCormick, I believe. Like, that roasted garlic one is so freaking good. But really, like, any any seasoning is amazing on chicken. I don't know. I'm so weird. But, like, garlic tastes great. There's just have fun with it, okay? Um, so, yeah. I season it, and I season it pretty generously. Like, I'm not afraid to just go ham on it. Okay, so once it's seasoned, once the grill's up to temp, then you throw it on the grill. Honestly, I usually close the grill and walk away and continue to cook the rest of my other things in the kitchen. I don't exactly set a timer, but it's usually about eight minutes or so. And then I go outside and I flip it and close it and walk away again. Wow, this is awful advice, you guys. Maybe don't walk away. I guess I've just fallen into a habit of just knowing how long my chicken takes. Okay, so probably stand out there and monitor it, but keep the lid, keep the thing, the yeah, the lid shut. So that way all the heat stays inside and gets your chicken cooked. Then I usually flip it again so it cooks twice on both sides at least because I really like my chicken well done on the outside, like really kind of crispy brown, um, again with those burny bits. But if you don't like it that cooked, if you don't like it that well done, I would cook it probably only once on each side. This is definitely a thing you're just going to have to play with and find what works best for you. This is something I played with for a very long time and I found that I like it very crispy on the outside. When I didn't have a grill, I used a George Foreman inside and that worked fine. It just took a little bit longer because I couldn't do the whole pack of chicken breasts at once. And it also meant that I had to slice them at least in half or butterfly them so that I could cook them faster too. If neither of those options sounds good for you or works for you because you don't have either of those, my next favorite way to cook chicken breast is in the crock pot. So crock pot shredded chicken, it is the most foolproof recipe ever. And I have this recipe for you inside my recipe library. It's called salsa chicken. And it is a pack of chicken breasts with a can of salsa and you put it all in, cook it for eight hours on low, and then you shred it with two forks and it falls apart so easily. And there are so many variations to this recipe. Like instead of salsa, you could do buffalo hot sauce or you could do chicken broth and seasonings. Like you can get really creative and have a fun time with this recipe. Since we're already talking about meat, we'll pound out the rest of the ground meats like ground beef and ground turkey. My go-to way to prepare ground beef and ground turkey is on the stove in a skillet. I brown the meat and I break it up into little chunks. And when it's about two thirds of the way cooked, I'll start adding seasoning. So my go-to seasoning is kind of like a taco seasoning. So it's chili powder, garlic powder, onion powder, cumin, Himalayan pink salt, and paprika, which I don't believe is traditionally in taco seasoning. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I love the flavor it gives. It's like this smoky kind of flavor, and it's my favorite. So that is included in there. But if that's not your thing, then just stick with the traditional taco seasoning blend there. You can also use actual taco seasoning packets if that's something that you prefer. Just on those, be sure to check the label because sometimes there's like a lot more carbs than you actually anticipated. But doing the straight up 
seasonings and herbs that aren't blends, that's going to be like basically zero extra calories. And if I don't do a taco seasoning, I'll do like an Italian blend with garlic powder, onion powder, red chili pepper flakes, and Italian herb blend with basil, oregano, thyme, and rosemary. Those are usually my top two. Sometimes I experiment and go like a little Asian route with ginger and soy sauce and garlic powder, onion powder. Those are just like staples. Um, what else goes in there? I don't know. Sometimes I'll just like, yeah, I'll experiment and have fun with it. All depends on my mood and my flavor cravings. Moving on to the next one on the list, sweet potatoes. This is probably the one I get asked about the most. This is the one I got asked about recently and basically the reason why I did this podcast episode. So my favorite, favorite, favorite way to cook sweet potatoes is by wrapping them up in tinfoil, placing them on a baking sheet and baking them in the oven at 375 to 400 degrees until they are soft and mushy. Do you guys see the trend here? Like it's super simple basic recipes that I'm just like, Put it in, leave it, and walk away. (laughs) So the total time for these guys depends on how many you're cooking and how big they are. Sometimes it takes 45 minutes. Sometimes it can take up to an hour and a half. It really just depends. The mushier they are, the sweeter they will be. So it's kind of like bananas in the sense that the darker and the mushier they are, they are typically sweeter. You want it to be so damn soft that you can actually squeeze it through the oven mitt. And you really can't overcook these guys. So this one, again, is foolproof. Once you remove the sweet potatoes from the oven, let them sit and cool down before handling because they are super, super, super hot. So once they're cool, I usually take the skin off and then mash them up in a big container before portioning them out. And that's because I don't really like the skin that much. If you do, you can totally keep the skins on, totally eat the skins, Do you do you. I just personally, I don't know, it's not my favorite. Another way to make sweet potatoes, This one is a little bit more work, but it's totally worth it. You can either peel the skin off with a vegetable peeler or leave it on, again, up to you. Then dice them into chunks, and you can do this in any shape you damn well please. It really doesn't matter. Then arrange them on a baking sheet lined with tinfoil and spray them pretty generously with coconut oil spray. Olive oil would work in this case, but it doesn't taste as good. That's my thought. Coconut oil is the way to go. Once they are covered, sprinkle cinnamon on them and toss so it's evenly distributed across all of the sweet potatoes. And then I bake them at, and then I bake them at 375 to 400 degrees for 30 to 40 minutes, around 15 or 20 minutes, I go in, flip them, toss them around a bit, and then I continue doing this every 10 minutes or so until they're done. Sometimes, if they look like they're drying out, spray them again with coconut oil and continue cooking. This recipe will make your house smell amazing, by the way. Well, unless you hate cinnamon, then you probably should avoid this recipe. However, I actually have done this with chili powder once too, and pink salt, Himalayan pink salt. And that was pretty good, but I just really love cinnamon, so that's the one that I am obsessed with. And since we're talking about carbs, let's move on to rice. 
all kinds of rice and even quinoa I do on the stove, but a lot of people swear by their Instapot. They say it's easier. They say it's foolproof. I just don't feel like lugging mine out from its hiding spot. I do it on the stove. I've gotten pretty good at it, so I feel comfortable and confident with that. No matter what, though, read the directions on the label when it comes to the water to grain ratio because it totally depends on what you're cooking. Like brown rice typically requires more water than white, so just stick with what the label says. Don't guess, don't look it up on Google, like actually read the label that you have. And when it comes to choosing rice, don't just get the long grain or the instant rice or I don't know, just like the basic rice. Get either jasmine rice, which is my favorite because it has like this nutty richness to it, but some people don't like it. If you don't like that one, get basmati. So jasmine or basmati, and you can get both of these in white and brown. And that is the way to go. If you've ever been like, oh, I just don't like rice. It's dry. It's this, or it doesn't taste like anything. It's because you're having the long grain and that's gross. Sorry. (laughs) Don't mean to be blunt, but like anytime I have those now, I'm like, like this just doesn't have flavor so jasmine or basmati those are the way to go so jasmine white rice is by far my favorite I don't ever add anything to it at all unless it's like sauce at the end while I'm eating my meal but usually I can eat that plain all day long and never get sick of it brown rice on the other hand I do like to add a little bit of chicken bouillon and sometimes an Italian based seasoning Sometimes other seasonings if I'm feeling courageous. But again, nothing specific really. I just add whatever flavors in my spice drawer feel right at that particular moment. Like whatever is a craving of mine or just on my mind or depends on what else it's going to be paired with. So just, you know, get creative and try new things. And the only way you're going to know if you like it or not is if you try it. By the way, I'm very, very, very much like my grandmother when it comes to seasoning. It's like a pinch of this and a pinch of that and no actual real measurements. So just, I don't know. I'm sorry. I can't give you exact measurements because I don't really know. Mm, Vegetables like broccoli and green beans. I typically steam them in about a one to two inches of water in a pot on the stove with a lid for about 10 to 15 minutes. My boyfriend likes to boil the crap out of them with at least like half the pot full of water, which is fine. It gets the job done. But I find that the consistency I personally like better when it's steamed. So you could use an actual steamer pot like with the slotted stuff. I don't even know what that's called. But you get the same effect if you fill like a regular pot filled with, like I said, one to two inches of water at the bottom, then you put your vegetables in and then you put a lid on it and then you cook it over medium high heat. So those are like my go-to vegetables that are just quick and simple. But sometimes I do like to get a little bit more creative, a little more variety. And so I typically do things like zucchini summer squash brussels sprouts all those are in the oven oh asparagus is something i like to steam as well 
Um, but sometimes I like to get a little more variety if I have more time. Um, so things like zucchini and summer squash and Brussels sprouts, I usually roast in the oven. So particularly, I'll give you my recipe for Brussels sprouts, and I don't believe that it's going to be much different for zucchini. But anyway, so cut the Brussels sprouts in half. Sometimes I might have to quarter them if they're huge, but most of the time it's just cut them in half. Similar to the sweet potatoes, I arrange them on a baking sheet lined with parchment paper or tinfoil, and then I spray them with olive oil, sometimes with coconut oil, but this time I like the olive oil. And then I add some salt, pepper, red chili flakes, sometimes garlic powder, sometimes onion powder. Bake them at 350 degrees until they are brown and crispy. And now that I think about it, basically the same thing for zucchini and summer squash. I chop them up, I slice them up, and then if they're like really thick I'll slice them in half again so that they're little like half moons and then I will arrange them on the baking sheet do the same thing with the olive oil and seasoning and bake them until they're done usually these guys don't get brown and crispy they just mushy a little bit (laughs) just yeah it all depends Cool. So that is most of the vegetables that are like super simple. Yeah, that's, that's it. And then the last one, oatmeal. So I am hooked on overnight oats lately. Like it's so simple. It's so easy. And I actually just, I feel like it sits better in my stomach lately. Like when I cook oats straight up over the stove, Like I used to love that and that was my go-to, but I started to notice I felt like a little bit more bloating. I don't know what it is, but I do notice that with the overnight oats, I don't have as much bloating. And I think it might be that the, the oats actually get broken down even further because they're sitting for longer in that liquid. So that's, that's a theory. I'm not totally sure, but overnight oats are also just so much easier because they basically prepare itself practically. So for overnight oats, I portion out how many grams of oats I want into individual containers. So right now it's like 35 to 45 grams of oats, depending on my macros. And then I add half a scoop of protein powder, half a teaspoon of chia seeds, and sometimes cinnamon and sometimes a little pumpkin puree to each individual one. And then I add a little bit of water or almond milk until it's all pretty moist. And then I like stir it around. You don't want to put too much liquid in because then it won't all be absorbed, but just enough to kind of like cover it. So from there, I put a lid on the top, pop them in the fridge, and I just leave them there. Usually I make seven on Sunday and they keep well all week long. So that about sums up all the really popular ones. I have a bunch of quick and easy recipes on my blog that include like air fryer stuff, if that's something that you have and are interested in doing more of. And as I already mentioned, I have dozens more inside the Fun Size Recipe Library. I just added a brand new one today. It's chicken enchiladas. So go on and check it out if you haven't already. And if you haven't already enrolled in this totally free resource, you need it because there's over 37 recipes in there now. It is amazing. Speaking of free resources, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm just full of them. I just released a brand new freebie for you fun size babes. I call it the Petite Eats Cheats Sheet. Bleh, that's a mouthful. Petite eats cheat sheet. 
And inside, I give you my top five no bullshit petite nutrition hacks that I swear by. So go get the free download by tapping the link in the show notes. As always, thank you guys so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode. Are you hungry for some meals and treats in the perfect petite portions for your fitness goals? I got you covered, girl. Download my free fun size recipe library filled with over 36 recipes made for a petite by a petite. Just go to funsize.life slash recipes for free entry to my collection of healthy recipes.